Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We're going to have some fun for the next couple hours. Tristan Donovan is a British nonfiction author, journalist, whose work has appeared in Wired, the BBC, The Atlantic, Vice, and The Guardian, among so many others. Tristan was born in 1975, grew up in London, but now lives in Lewis, near Brighton, a city south coast of England. In England, his uh, books include Replay, The History of Video Games, Fizz, How Soda Shook Up the World, and Feral Cities, Adventures with Animals in Urban Jungle. And now this one, It's All a Game, The History of Board Games from Monopoly to Settlers of Catan. And Kristen, it, Kristen it's, it's an amazing story here. We've all played board games when we were younger, but what happened? Well, we, we still play them. Um, so this, this is one of the things that got me interested in writing the book um so you know like like most people i i grew up and my family would play board games you know every sunday you know the classics like monopoly cluedo life and you know so so i was always sort of playing games and i did continue playing them as adults sort of slightly more complex ones but what what got me interested in the book is the board games are still going and it made me sort of wonder you know why you know we've we've had sort of rise of video games and in some ways they look a bit old fashioned and out of date. So, you know, why are people still playing them? That sort of got me interested in writing about them and, and people still are playing them. I used to have uh baseball cards and I think my mom threw them out and God knows what they would be worth today. So about three years ago I bought as many board games as I could find. Uh Risk, Life, Monopoly they're unopened. I just stored them away because one day I'm saying maybe in 25 years from now they'll be worth something. But it was amazing how much fun we had as kids playing these games. They occupied hours and hours of our time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember that, especially Monopoly. I remember playing. My my dad was always very much, you know, we're we're going to play this right through to the end, and so you know, you you get to that stage in Monopoly where you you know you're going to go bust, and the other player's going <laughs> to win. You bankrupt, and you carry go. on for another two hours. And you're like, Dad, please let me just give up. I surrender. It's like, no, it's not over until it's over. <laughs> I tried to buy as many hotels and properties I could find. Every time I landed on something, I wanted to buy until I ran out of money. <laughs> Fatal mistake. Yeah. Exactly. But what about today? I mean, most kids, most kids have grown up in the video game era. They don't even know what board games are anymore, Tristan. Yeah, they do. Not all of them. Well, it's a bit like saying, you know, TV came along and now kids don't know what radio is. Um, Well, that's partially true, too. I don't think it's that. They, they may not miss them, but they, they know what it is. Um, but the thing is, board, board games aren't coming back. And I, I guess in some, I mean, what's been happening over the past 20 years is there's been, particularly among young adults, there's been a 
real interest in sort of a newer wave of games that have come through, um, games like Settlers of Catan, Ticket to Ride, and those have got people back into board games. And so what what you've seen, and you know, pretty much every city in the US now has at least one board game cafe, and you know they they sell coffee and food, but there are also places where people can go and rent a board game by the hour to play them with their friends. And you know, this is the younger generation that's doing this. You know, I'm in my 40s, you know, this is, you know, I'm, I'll be relatively old going to these places. <laughs> so, you know, at this point, you know, that, so it's coming back that way with these sort of new games. Um, and at the same time, you know, sort of companies like Hasbro's which sell all, all the kind of traditional games. Um, they're seeing their sales increase as well. And I think what, what's happening to an extent, and it's always really hard to kind of pin down exactly why this interest is there, but I think in some ways it's a bit of a pushback against everything going digital, your whole life going online. And what board games do is they bring us together in the same room, give us a focus, and we're not there kind of chatting, but, you know, someone's looking on their phone briefly. And, you know, it's, it's a way for people to reconnect face-to-face. It gives that kind of framework. And I, I think that's what's drawing people to it. And, you know, people aren't kind of going, well, I want to disconnect from the Internet and throw away my iPhone or whatever yeah but I, I think you know in some ways it's a way of people kind of going well my life's not entirely virtual and here's one way i can do that my little 10 uh, year old grandson is a little app kid when it comes to games and you know every time he comes over he goes papa papa download this for me and uh, <laughs> i mean that's that's that era the 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 really younger kids are into video games and apps and things like that uh, and, you know, you pull out a board game, they're interested in it for a while, and then they go back. But what is it going to take, Tristan, to capture the attention of younger kids to get them to play more board games? I think, in a way, it's better games. Um, so video game industry has got a lot of money and spends a lot of time working out how to, for want of a better word, hook, hook people on what they're playing. Um, and so some of the older board games, like, Monopoly aren't really kind of competing with that in the same way anymore. You know, one of the problems with Monopoly is people get chucked out of the game while they play it. So, you know, you play for a while and then someone loses all their money and that's like, well, what are you going to do? Go off, do the dishes or something? You know, yeah, you're exactly. not needed anymore. Um, so, new games um, are tending to avoid that. They're not making it clear who's winning all the way through. So, you know, there's that kind of mystery intention so i think these newer games are kind of helping kind of compete more better through better game design and there's also sort of cooperative games which is something video games don't offer very much you know they tend to be more competitive so you have a board game like pandemic which is this relatively new game about you know fighting disease around the world and Basically, it's the players versus the game. You know, everyone's on the same side trying to defeat the random cards that are coming up. So I, I think those sort of offer a slightly different experience. So I think, you know, probably today, if you're going to get out Cluedo and go, go, hey, kids, put down your, your app and play a game with Cluedo, and I'd be like, mm, it's okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not the same as this app I've just downloaded. I loved Clue, and I also loved the game. You remember Stratego? Oh, I loved Stratego. Oh, that was that was like, a that was a game you could just about even play against yourself because if you moved all the other pieces to the other side and they're they're turned around, just so people get an idea, Stratego is a little battle game, and each 
each little uh, block that you have has a picture of a little soldier on it that the opponent can't see. You know, it's facing the other way. You can see it. They can't. And it's got a numbered system. So, like, the general was number one, and the colonel was number two, the major was three, and da-da-da-da-da. And uh, the, the idea of the game was to capture the flag on the other side, and you could put little bombs around it. And only the minor, number eight, if I remember, yeah. could knock down one of those bombs to get to the flag. But whoever captured the flag first would win. But you could literally play that game by yourself because you just set them up on the other way. And, uh, you know, you would move the pieces back towards you. You didn't know what you were moving. But it, it was a great game. I loved that one. Yeah, it's a bit like sort of battleships meets chess in a way. Yeah. You know, it's like a fantastic game. What was the game where... And maybe it was called Operation, I'm not sure, where the lights went on when you did a little operation into a cartoon body. And if you took out little body parts, if you hit it the wrong way, um, was that called Operation? Do you remember yeah, that one? Yeah, that's Operation. So you had little tweezers and you'd get out. Um, yeah. You know, sort of the wishbone and things like that. And if you touched the sides, it, you know, the nose would light up on them. <laughs> it was good for your dexterity that. at a young age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's probably quite hard for me now. <laughs> in in those days, were board games in just about every family around the country, around the planet? P- pretty much. I mean, I mean, it varies a lot from country to country, but certainly, you know, in America and Europe, in- English speaking, board games were pretty Im- embedded in in life. You know, and you got to remember, if you're going back to fifties, sixties, even. 70s, you know, there was limited choice on TV. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what it was like in the U.S. having not grown up there, but, you know, in the U.K. we had three channels when I was growing up, and they were turned off by midnight. I um, mean, you know, so it's there, there wasn't, you know, much competition in terms of entertainment as there is now. We didn't have kind of video cassette recorders or Netflix or anything like that. It was like, well, what, what are we going to do? We can watch what you know, our choice of two shows on TV or we could play a game. And so, you know, it was quite very popular then. What's the name of the game that was always on the inside, the other side of a checkerboard where you play with dice? Backgammon. That's it. I never played that game. I just was never interested in that. But that's huge. A lot of people play that. Yeah. So that was one of the things I discovered while writing it's all the game. So, you know, like, like most people, it's like, yeah, that, there's that kind of weird triangle thing on the back of the chessboard. I don't really know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, so th- doing the book, I actually finally sat down and to play back out. And it's a brilliant game. It's, it is a brilliant so, game. I've, I've yeah. seen people play it. I never did. but Yeah, it's this real kind of nice balance between skill and luck. And, you know, it's a much better game than, say, checkers. Um, but, you know, it, it's sort of got this kind of image problem, really, where it got kind of associated with kind of, you know, very kind of well-to-do people who didn't really kind of, you know, it was an odd game to play and sort of never really catch on. But it had this kind of big boom in the 70s where all these sort of playboy types got into it and started gambling insane amounts of money on it. Um, I spoke to someone for the book who was one of these gamblers, and he told me about a game where, he, you know, the, the stake was 60 $4,000, and this is in the 70s. Oh, my God. That, that's like a quarter of a million dollars now on one game, and he wasn't playing the biggest bets. You know, it was kind of crazy for during the 70s, but it, it 
it's a game that sort of struggles to kind of keep up with times. People keep forgetting about it. They all kind of go, it looks a bit weird. It doesn't have squares. You know, what are these triangles about? <laughs> so favorite, favorite, uh, favorite phrase in checkers, king me. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I don't think I've heard that before. King. How did board games even start? Well, we we don't really know is the answer, um, because one of the problems with board games is they started before we had writing. So if we go back, the earliest game we definitely know existed was this ancient Egypt, ancient Egyptian game called um, Senate, and there's some fragments of the board that seem to predate ancient Egypt. So, I mean, this goes back to you know, 3000 BC, you know, thousands of years ago. Um, so, so we know board games were being played then. We don't know what the rules were. <laughs> um, so, you know, no one wrote them down. You know, they were only just inventing writing. So, you know, board games have been with us for, you know, as long as humanity can remember at this point. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.